Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about building a great handyman service with the help of special guest Charlie Schlegel of Schlegel Design Remodel in Kansas City, Missouri. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. This is Tim Fowler speaking to you. Just uh, keep those ideas coming in. Uh, one of my goals with the show is to give you the very best information we can to help you with your business, with life, with whatever it is we can help with. So send in ideas to Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. So ever since I've been involved with remodeling companies, which has been a few years now, people have been discussing the handyman business, okay? There are, of course, some companies that are purely handyman. That's what they do, okay? And, And they don't do remodeling as a general rule, and they don't do new homes and things like that. But a lot of other companies have looked at the handyman business in a lot of different ways. One might be as like a warranty arm, like they have people that do warranty and then they'll also then do some other stuff uh, for their clients. Others have tried it as a part of their business, but what they've done is they've Uh, taken people from the remodeling side and said, when you're not busy on your job site, we'll have you do some handyman work. And they've tried to schedule it in a way that keeps everybody uh, working. And then still others feel like they need a punch list guy. And they take this punch list guy or gal. And when they're not out there doing punch lists, because hopefully it's not every day that they're out doing punch lists, they then have them go do what we would call a handyman. Now, except for the very first one where people have gone at it as strictly a handyman business, almost all the others seem to fail for some reason. And so the ones that have succeeded, and we have Charlie on today because Schlegel definitely has succeeded. The ones that I know that have succeeded, the common denominator seems to be what I'm going to call intentionality. Just there's there's an intention for this and that makes it work. So we'll see what Charlie has to say about that. But it just feels like that the companies that decide to do handyman fare much better than sort of substituting it for other functions. So there's a lot to talk about. So Steve, let's go ahead and get started. All right, let's do it. So Charlie Schlegel is the co-owner of Schlegel Design Remodel in Kansas City, Missouri. The company was founded by his father, Jake Schlegel, in 1980. Charlie worked for the company through high school and college, and after he graduated, came back to the company in 2011. In 2018, he purchased the company with longtime production manager, Chris Peterson. Charlie has achieved NARI designation, UDCP, and CR, Certified Remodeler, and was voted into the 40 Under 40 in Pro Remodeler Magazine in 2019. Welcome to the show, Charlie. 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Always a big fan of the Tim Fowler show. Well, good. We always like to have fans on. <laughs> All right. So let's just jump right into it, Charlie. Like, tell us a little bit about the handyman business that you guys have, and then we'll get into some details. But just give us a, sort of a, a snapshot of what it looks like. Well, our handyman department has uh, about 11 full-time employees, um, and we have our own salesperson designated for handyman. We have our own production manager designated for handyman, and then we have our own field staff that performs strictly handyman-related tasks or projects. So as you mentioned, Tim, in your, your introduction, uh, it is very intentional that we are set up to be handyman. We we did not go the route of trying to have a punch list guy that doubled as a handyman guy when, you know, the old saying, well, when you're not busy, you'll go do that. Well, you've always find some reason to keep them busy, right? So for us, yeah, it was definitely the intentionality of handyman when I was hired to come back to the company. Uh, that was it. That was the value that I was going to bring. So uh, okay. being a, a, a driving personality, uh, a D, <laughs> Uh, I definitely was, if you know the disc, you know, the disc profiles, it was uh, either sink or swim. So I decided right. to uh, kick hard and pull fast. And uh, here we are swimming. So we, we're doing in our handyman service oh, about $3 million a year. We've kind of reshifted our handyman service to take some of our smaller projects out of there. So uh, we did have some small projects we were doing in that, but we've shifted our, our, our okay. style. So okay. um, it's, a, but now we're doing more of the small projects, specific handyman projects, the grab bars for grandmas, the, you know, the uh, window replacement, one-off windows. It's the, you know, go fix a couple of shutoff valves here and there, the switch that needs to be replaced, things like that. Okay. So in our pre-show communication, I, uh, I asked Charlie to kind of give us five or six things that are differentials for the handyman department for him. He came back with 16. So what I'm going to suggest to people is if you're listening to this podcast in your truck or something like that, you really want to sit down at a desk somewhere if you're really interested in this, you want to sit down at a desk somewhere and listen again, because a lot of this information is pretty detailed and it's, it's spot on and it will give you a really good blueprint of how to, how to make this work if you want to. So, Charlie, let's just kind of get into how do you define the handyman work versus the design build how are they separated and, and what makes that handyman distinctly different? Well, so we've got uh, multiple differentiators, like you mentioned. I think what the most important thing is to keep it nimble and to, to take the reins off, to allow it to be a fast turning uh, uh, product. Um, so one thing that we've done is we've, we've, not we don't require some issuing of purchase orders and subcontracts which in the design build world you almost have to have right we have to be measuring subcontracted costs to estimated versus actual things like that and these smaller projects 
in our analysis, we can we can real quickly figure that out because they're not a big component of the project if we're doing something with an electrician or plumber or whatnot. Right. Um, another thing is our, our markup is different on a handyman project versus a larger design build project. And the purpose of that is that it's all the intangible above the line costs that go into that, that, that markup goes into cover. Um, it's the guys that are running around, Hey, while you're at the hardware store, pick this up for me, swing it by my job site that you're not allocating some of those hours here and there specific to a job, but it's, I don't want to make it sound reckless or unorganized. It certainly is. It's just, we have to cover some of those things that, just our, our, our production manager going by and visiting job sites. He could visit four job sites, five job sites in a day and to track all those individually. We just look, lump it in as a, as a it costs of goods sold for the division as a whole. Um, another area where we concentrate on what the difference is between our, our handyman and our design build is scheduling. We have a schedule specific to handyman and it is a Tetris puzzle, which is, uh, which is decoded with a Rubik's cube. So, uh, Kirk, our, our production manager in our handyman department does an amazing job of playing leapfrog. You know, we may have half day, couple hour, you know, three day type projects and, if those are exterior projects on a day where it's going to be inclement weather, I mean, we got to, we got to adjust. And, and as he would say, he's always shuffling, you know? Right. Um, so the scheduling is really quite unique. So one of the things that I, I heard, uh, maybe it was Chris or maybe it was you on one of the times that we visited your company say was that one of the differences and it involves the schedule is that the, the people in the handyman department, will have the attitude typically that says this has to be done today because I have a job tomorrow to go to. Whereas in design build, it tends to be like, okay, the day's done. I'm always going to be back here tomorrow. Does that, that, that kind of impacts that schedule, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. And, and that's the culture we've bred in the handyman department is there's not a tomorrow. It has to be done today. Um, or, what are we going to do this, you know, evenings or weekend so that we can finish this job when we're supposed to finish it or close there too? You know, none of us can control the weather, but, you know, to take a, a three-day, you know, window replacement or, you know, wood rot repair project and try to put it out three days later, that, that time's already booked. You know, we'd be putting it out right now. We're booking uh, 12 weeks out in our heating so there's not there's not much room for pockets either, you know, to just leave open to say, well, we'll throw that on in two more weeks because we keep a week open. Like we, we try not to do that either. We book as, as tight together as possible. Very cool. OK, good. What else? What other things are different for the handyman versus the design build side? Well, a lot of our processes are different and they're specific to being nimble. Um, okay. there's not as much project management on a day-to-day -day basis. It's more of that, you know, that upper, uh, overseeing eye, you know, uh, Kirk is, is sometimes referred to as Oz. He said, <laughs> you know, a few years ago, we said, no longer do you leave your office. You stay in that office. Your job is to manage from that office. You know, uh, there's some quality control visits that he does throughout the, the weeks or months, but 
you're more so being there ready to ready to pull the different levers as necessary uh, because it's so quick and, and evolving on a day-to-day basis. Right now, we're facing some challenges in that with just delivery uh, delays, with material delays. Um, so there's always that shuffling, as I said. Um, you know, we typically in our, our handyman projects as well, we designate those that, that don't require a building permit. You know, okay. most of the work we're doing in our handyman is not permitted work. It's not rough-in electrical or rough-in plumbing. It's not, uh, you know, if we are doing a structural framing project, we can, we, we will pull a, pro- a permit for that. But that's usually going into some larger, you know, uh, structural changements or enhancements for the, the home. But typically it doesn't require a permit is how we designate that. And, and generally the size of revenue of a project that will produce in handyman is, is uh, greatly lower than that of what a design build project may be. Okay. Is there a time, a time frame that you look at in terms of a, like we in handyman, we won't do anything past, a week or two weeks or three weeks or something like that. Is there a time frame like that that often dictates it? There is, it, you know, and that's where we, we came up with our 16 items that were kind of all a, it could go either way, but you know, here's the, if, if generally speaking, 10 of these are, are one way or another, then it, it helps us to find that clear path. I got um, Cause we've had some handyman projects that are, uh, you know, several weeks, if not a month or so, but it's, it truly is going into someone's home and doing s- significant amounts of deferred maintenance. Right. Um, you know, it's not necessarily going in and remodeling just one single room. It may be that we're fixing the fence, we're fixing the wood rot, we're painting uh, a bedroom, we're patching drywall cracks throughout, you know, those, those types of things that when you link a bunch of them together, they add up in time, but they're all small handyman projects in and of themselves. Now, does the, does the handyman department have a different phone number than Schlegel Design Build? Is that a, a part of the component that allows you to separate these jobs out? So in our marketing, our outward appearance of marketing, yes. Um, We have some different numbers on the trucks so we can track where the calls are coming from. Um, We had, we used to have a different website. However, we did find that was a little cumbersome because we want to be one company for all your home improvement and remodeling needs. So we did come, but we pulled back from that and just went to one website that now defines our painting services, our handyman services, and our design build service. So, so it, when they when they call that number that's on the side of the truck, does it go to the same person who would answer for design build? I mean, the the point of the question is, how do they know that this is a handyman job versus who, where do they send it in in the funnel uh, as it's coming through? So we've, we've developed a flow chart, so to speak, of how our, our administrative team takes calls. So that is part of our questions are, you know, what, what are you looking to do? And we do continue training with our, our admin team of, 
So if someone says, well, I want to remodel my bathroom, we say, well, to what extent do you want to remodel your bathroom? Because we all know that as people have different ideas of what remodeling is, you right. know? I mean, in our in our company, we we can remodel bathrooms for half a million dollars, you know, uh, or we can remodel them for five thousand dollars. So we've trained our team to ask those more specific questions, to dig a little deeper, to really define what the preliminary thought that the client has as a scope of work. And then from there, we channel it to the best you know, salesperson, whether it's design or if it's in handyman, sometimes it is a little bit of a hybrid and we, you know, or a repeat client will reach out to their designer from a design build job. And they'll be talking to them about a handyman project, which would be like, I just want to replace the shower in my hall bath. Right. Uh, We don't look at that as a remodeling project. That's more of a handyman project. And in that instance, that designer may work with that client that's theirs because they own the relationship and then they're putting it through our, our design, our handyman process rather than our design build process. You know, another thing, Tim, that, you know, when you were asking about the difference between handyman versus, you know, a design build is, is the package that we put together to hand off from sales to production. And, and I, I mentioned this because of that scenario of a designer that's selling handyman a little bit, you know, our designers aren't, they're not given the mission to sign, you know, to sell handyman projects. Their mission is to sell design build, but to take care of a past client if need be. So we make the process more streamlined as well for the package handoff. It's not as intense. I mean, as you know, a lot of, a lot of design build companies will sit down with the lead carpenter, the project manager, the designer, the architect, whoever else may need to be involved and have this whole, you know, brain dump um, and transfer that information. We're putting together packages with photos, uh, written scopes of work. If we need a little drawing here and there, we may hand draw it or take pictures and, and draw over those. Um, so that's that's filling the void for our guys that are going to get that information on a Thursday and go perform the job next week. Okay. So the salesperson, you, you mentioned early on, you have one salesperson for handyman. I, I'm just going to assume that all the jobs are not sold by a salesperson. Are some of them done just on a time and materials basis or a general quote from administrator? How, how do you price these jobs if there's one sale? And how, when does that one salesperson come involved, get involved? Troy is very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's funny you asked that. We just were analyzing the numbers for the past three years of how much of our handyman revenue was done on time and material. Um, because we were looking at our, our, our rates. Um, yeah. We need so we found that about anywhere from 13 to 18% of our annual handyman revenue is done on time and material. So not a great amount of our work is done on time and material. And the reason for that is we found very early on that it leaves a lot of room for negotiating, a lot of room for questions or when, you know, the guy runs to the hardware store and they think it took them too long to go to the hardware store. And it's like, well, we, we went to one, they didn't have what we needed. So we went to the other one. 
And, you know, that's just what we had to do to get your project done. Why didn't you go to the first, second one first? Oh, after, yep, yep. <laughs> we've been asked that before, you know. <laughs> so most most all of our, you know, 80 some percent of our handyman projects are sold as a lump sum fixed price contract. Wow. And uh, Troy does, he does an excellent job of managing the workflow. Uh, you know, we, we are... I, I feel like we're great at setting an expectation when a client calls in, our administrative team lets them know what our current lead time is. We update them weekly that we're booking into, you know, if you sign a construction contract today, you were booking into X time frame. If um, by the time we're able to come out and see you, which is going to be about two to three weeks at this point in time, it'll take us another week to two weeks to get a contract back to you. So you could be five, six more weeks down the road before we're even ready to, you know, put you on a schedule. Um, but some of that drives urgency on the consumer's part, um, you know, that they want to get on the schedule. Uh, we do schedule, which is unique for handymen altogether, I believe, in my personal opinion. Um, and we show up when we say we're going to show up. We get done what we say we're going to get done when we told them we would. And that's the difference. That's the value proposition we bring to professional handyman. So again, just one more question about sales and we'll move on to other, other things, but. Sales is my favorite. You can talk to me all day about sales, Tim. I'm not a production guy. <laughs> so Troy, Troy goes out. Does he do a one-stop close or is this, does he just gather information, come back, price it, then sends an email and you get signatures or does he go back for a signature? How does that sales process work? So it's typically, you know, uh, when, when it is determined that it warrants going out there to visit with the client, we'll go out, we'll visit, and we take our information back from there. And we typically have to put together an estimate because there's so many, our, our, these projects have so many different parts to, to them. Right. It's not so cut and dry. It's like, well, you know, if, if I was a drywall contractor, I just need drywall tape, you know, corner, uh, you know, uh, that stuff. You know, these are, we may be doing some drywall. We may be doing a TV installation. We may be replacing all the hinges and lock sets throughout the house. And we have to go aggregate all that pricing, you know, and bring it all together to deliver that, you know, here's what it's going to cost to do everything you said you wanted to do, Mr. or Mrs. Homeowner. Now, we do charge a fee for giving an estimate. And if ah. we're hired to do the work, we credit that fee back to the homeowner. Okay. So, that so is it is it realistically, uh, if you don't get hired, does it make you money or is it sort of a nominal fee? It's it's a hundred dollar fee. Uh, it's more so to keep everyone and their brother wanting an estimate. You know, the people okay. that are serious about wanting to do something, they're they're going to pay that fee, and we're going to give it back to you towards the credit if if you decide to move forward. Yeah, very very cool. All right, so. Man, I got so many, so many questions here. So just from your vantage point, what do you think is the most important thing to making this kind of, th what, what made this successful for you guys? What do you think was the it that made this successful for you? And you can say yourself if you want to. Well, what I was going to say is that if you ask Jake and Chris that, they would say me. And I right. don't want to, uh, you know, tout, 
toot my own horn. Now, I've been able to successfully transfer out of the day-to-day operation of our handyman service because of a hire in Troy and a hire in Kirk that they were able to take the process that I had written and enact the process. So what I would say is the most important thing, and Tim, you and I have talked about this before, is yes, get your plan together. Write your plan out, have everything of how you're going to operate this from from that first phone call all the way through your warranty period, if you're going to offer one, but then do it. Don't talk about it. Don't hem-haw about it. You know, get out and start putting some things into action. Um, You know, with when we first started, I did do all of the sales administrative. uh, I didn't do all the receipt entry and that stuff, but I did all the financial uh, verification, all the the checking the reports to make sure we were making money, things like that. Um, And as well as all the project management, uh, coordination of materials and subs. So I was able to kind of take all of that that I had done and transfer those little portions of that to the different uh, key roles, which became sales and production. Uh, Our marketing is kind of lumped in there with our overall marketing. Um, We do specifically target some things for marketing to handyman uh, just in and of itself. But, you know, it was taking all those components and, like almost going through and saying after three, four years, like, okay, here's what we do. Who owns that? Okay. That's a sales function. That's a production function. That's a, you know, and then you can start to almost create these job descriptions specifically for your handyman department. But having someone, you know, myself, I can, I can share with you. I'm, I'm a driver. I, I, I demand success. I love uh, financial compensation um, and I I love our client success and our team members happiness. So if I was able to achieve all three of those things, I was ready to keep running and running. And we were, we were able to do that. And it's, that's what, that's what created the snowball is that one first mover, you got to have someone that just starts doing it. Right. Yeah. So Charlie, you mentioned that you came in to, take on this handyman division. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? So uh, I know I talk to a lot of companies. They'll say, yeah, we do projects 250,000, but you know, we will hang a door, you know? And so they lump their entire company into this huge range of $3,000 to $500,000. So you guys made a concentrated decision to separate these and somebody else is looking at this, like, you know, you had you to come back and do it, but what was the, I mean, I guess I'm looking for the genesis of how it came about to, to do this. Well, I guess I would say I saw in the company, I I was working at a different company uh, prior to Schlegel uh, after I graduated. And I saw the wisdom in that company that they did new construction, they did service and they did maintenance repairs. So I said, you know, well, why don't we do that at Schlegel? Why don't we have a maintenance department, a a service department? And why are we missing out on all those clients? And heck, who knows what that revenue could have been, right? I mean, the first year was like, I think $250,000 in annual revenue of just handyman, which by by today's standards is nothing, right? Uh, But it, it started and it went somewhere. And, you know, we kept going with it. 
Um, so I, the genesis was in that we wanted our company to be diverse, to handle a client's uh, lifetime with us throughout their home's needs and their, their home cycle. So we have clients that'll hire us to just say, coordinate, you know, replacing a roof. We're not touching the roof. We're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. We'll just now they, they live, they're snowbirds. They're in Florida. We may help them coordinate that. Yeah. So. And, and, and right or wrong prior to that was, was that being turned down like a $3,000 powder room, you know, oh. redo? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we had a referral partner uh, that we were kicking all these, our, our clients to, you know, and, and the, the danger is you, you get that, that client yeah. off to someone else and they never come back. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of following up with this, what was the progression? You, you came back in, you, you said you were running everything at that point. You did $250,000 in the first year. Um, what was the progression? Did you hire Kurt or someone to run production first and then kept you with your strong suit of selling or did selling, how did you make, uh, how did you make the determination of when that time was and who, what came first? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm truly am blessed to know Kirk Thomas as an individual and as a coworker. Uh, he's an incredibly talented guy. And I still remember when he walked in for his interview and I thought, who's this cowboy that just walked in? Cause he had a big old belt buckle and he, he, does, he does look like a cowboy. doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and he came walking in and I thought, well, this is the first guy we're going to hire for handyman. And we went through several others and, and really what, what, it, what drove the evolution is my time and my ability to continue to do all the aspects and do them well. I mean, when I was hitting working 60 to 80 hours a week, I, it was not a good work-life balance, you know? Um, and at that time I probably just had my third of five kids. So, you know, I was like, this is not, this is not good. I can't, I can't run this hard this fast. So me, for me, what it was, is I enjoyed the sales part of the, of uh, more than production, no offense, production guys. Uh, but I decided that it, my best, I was best suited to lead the front end by selling and to give the reins of production to someone who is more qualified than myself to do that, which was Kirk. Uh, and we're, we're fortunate that he's still here today and still running that portion of the, the company. Yeah. So, so was he an actual handyman out on the job sites at first and then migrated to this production manager role? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm now, I'm very much like a list guy, a checklist guy. And so as I was developing like this, this production department for here, I kind of created all the things that I knew I had to get done that week to be able to make sure the next week would be successful and the week after that would be successful. So I was able to take a lot of those and share those with Kirk, who I think is a natural born leader in and of himself. And then he could take the checklist, but he could lead the team. So that, that was a, a harmony that was uh, fortuitous that, that I couldn't have, couldn't have planned on. Yeah. So a little bit of sort of technical thing here. What do you provide uh, for the handyman in the, in the, the guys going out on the job? I, I think I heard you say something about the number on the trucks. So I'm, I'm hearing maybe there's a van or a truck and tools and what, what, 
I mean, just from that, so not benefits and things like that, unless you want to talk about that. But uh, basically, what do you provide for them? Yeah, so we do we do provide a vehicle for them. We pay for all the gas and maintenance and insurance of that vehicle. Uh, we do outfit them with some some necessary tools that may be you know bigger than your hand tools, your saws, stuff like that. You know that most lead carpenter our our, our handymen are lead carpenters essentially. Okay. Um, they don't have as much involvement in scheduling a long-term project, which I know is a big component of the lead carpenter system, Right. but they're more so scheduling their days, their weeks on their own. So they, they you know, the vans, the tools, we supply some of the bigger tools, uniforms, um, you know, we, we do a lot of, uh, incentives for them as far as performance, uh, for year end, things like that. So, um, you know, short of getting into all the benefits, I would say that's that's kind of the you know okay. the, the, the run. Yeah, you think it's it's pretty pretty. I, I've always envisioned it as a necessity for the handyman to have a company truck logoed up. Uh, is that yeah. the way you see it? I mean, yes. you can't be driving around in your own little Toyota pickup. Yes. No, we've, so we typically uh, in our hiring uh, um, verbiage, we, we say we have 90 days to provide you with a vehicle because okay. uh, sometimes when we were hiring, we didn't just have trucks sitting around waiting for people to get into them. Right. Right. Um, so we, we've at times had people that drive their own vehicles that you cannot fit everything you need to fit for this role into a small truck or uh, even even really a standard straight van is is kind of tough to fit everything in. So we we provide like ten foot box trucks, twelve foot box trucks um, for our team. And so we had we had one gentleman that uh, is no longer with the company, but he drove a four uh, or one of those little Fiats. Uh, and man, that was that was unique when he would pull up on a job with a four by eight sheet of plywood <laughs> that was bigger than the car. <laughs> you know, uh, but I would, I'll give it to him. He was able to pack quite a bit of stuff into that, that, yeah. that tiny car there. So yeah, you can make, yeah. do, you can make do when you have to, but yeah, uh, the truck, the, the providing of the truck is, is kind of the, it's like providing a cell phone nowadays. Yeah. You've got to have the right equipment and that truck is the right piece of equipment to get that person to and from job sites with the necessary materials that they products, materials that they'll need. Um, so we, it's, it's just as important as a cell phone to us. We, we make sure that they're running, you know, we've got a couple of backup trucks now that if one does have to go in for service, we just on a Friday, switch a guy out, put him into a new one for the next week while it's in service. So there's really seamless, um, operation of our, our fleet. And we do have a fleet manager now to, to keep wow. track of all 26 or so, uh, trucks, trailers, uh, assets that we have. And do they, do they drive them home or do they come to the shop every day and pick them up? No, they do drive them home, okay. which we prefer. Um, if we had a building we could all pull into to secure, you know, but gosh, I mean, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of tools potentially in the back of a truck that yeah. a simple bolt cutter gets you in there. And that'd be a <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. So what, what's the impact that, the handyman service has had on the company. So the company was there. I know Jake, I know it, it was a, it was an amazing company before you came back and got started with the handyman. 
Now you and Chris have done really well with it as well. I understand that. But um, what's the impact that starting this up and developing it and making it work, what's the impact that's had on the whole company? Simply put the quote of, we see you guys everywhere. You know, uh, (laughs) having having, uh, really about 20 some service vehicles out there that in our yard signs uh, right now we have a big hiring push. So everyone has got t-shirts that say we're hiring with Schlegel logos all over. I'm like, you can't, you can't walk into Wendy's and get yourself a burger without seeing Schlegel somewhere, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and it's a blessing and a curse, you know, um, there's, there's times where you're like, Oh, I wish our brand wasn't everywhere, but you know, at the same time, it's great that, uh, and that's usually when a guy maybe is uh, running a little late in the morning or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if, yeah. all in all, it's it, it really the impact has been. People say they see us everywhere. We've become more approachable to clients that we would have otherwise not been approachable to. You know, they the Jake, as you mentioned, built a hell of a business. It, it has a great brand power in Kansas City. The brand was high-end residential remodel. Don't call if it's less than six figures. Well, now our brand is call them if it's six figures, call them if it's a two-hour handyman service, you know, call them if you need painting, call them if you need, you know, whatever it may be, you know, and and it's our job, I think, is the professional in in the front end, like lead intake as well as sales conversations of are we really the right fit for the client mutually? You know, and we so we do a lot of that um, in our in our conversations leading up to going out and meeting with people. And it's fantastic. So, Charlie, we're going to have to wrap this up. Uh, but uh, one last little nugget for everybody out there. What do you what do you want to say to everybody listening to this podcast? Just do it. <laughs> Again, if you're, if, if you're thinking about doing it and if you've got someone that's got the competency to take it and run with it. Quit talking about it and do it, you know, get a, get a best laid plan because it will evolve within your current system, within your current company, but you will handle that with a competent person behind the helm. So did we just infringe on Nike's uh, brand copyright on just do it? I no, gosh, that was, uh, I just came up with that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they stole it from you. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> lawsuit in the making. Charlie, thank you so much for being with us. This is fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure why we didn't get you out on the airwaves earlier, but um, just amazing. And I, I really appreciate your ability to share it with us and um, look forward to following up with some other ideas with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to be a part of uh, the Tim Fowler show. And uh, Steve, great seeing you again. Always. You're looking great. Thank you all. Take Take care, care, Charlie. See ya. So, Tim, uh, let's start with your notes. But I mean, this is an important podcast for a lot of companies out there. Oh, yeah. And I I think just if we can boil it all down to the one thing and Charlie was pretty good about deflecting it, but it really does take the right people. And, you know, for them, Charlie was the right guy at the right time to make it happen. Intentionality, huge. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be Charlie. It doesn't have to be exactly like him, but you've got to have the right people. And they've been fortunate 
to bring in the right people to take some of that load off of him as he got out of the daily daily stuff. But that seems to be, like I indicated in the introduction, the, the big deal is be intentional and get the right people in the right places. Otherwise, it, it just, it's one of those jobs that, like the production manager guy, you know, if he couldn't juggle, if he couldn't manage, you know, multitask, it would be a mess, right? Because of that Rubik's metric, whatever that Charlie mentioned, you know, it would be a mess, but they got the right guy in the right spot and he's making it work. Well, the intention, I mean, started out the show with it, but if you don't have that, then you have your, uh, you know, a lot of things to a lot of people, but how good are you doing it? And if you're doing the $3,000 powder room while you're doing the $500,000 remodel, I mean, what's, you know, what's the uh, intention and how well are you executing? And that's really what Charlie helped us see and what I think other people uh, can do because there's a market for it, for sure. For sure. The other thing that I thought was interesting, I mean, there's a lot of, really good data in this thing. And like I suggested, if you're listening on the road, sit down someplace and listen. But the other thing that I thought was interesting was that he, Charlie said that he graduated college and went to work for another company and he saw it working in another company. And I think one of the big blind spots in our industry is kind of what he alluded to. We only do this. We only do this because this is all remodeling does versus, wow, here's a company and look what they do. You know, maybe we could do that too. And I thought that was a a pretty interesting uh, insight into, you know, kind of bringing a different world. Steve, you and I have talked about the commercial, you know, remodeling and how they have some amazing systems and amazing processes. And most of us in residential remodeling go, well, that's commercial. That's easy stuff. You know, as opposed to saying, you know what? We can do that. Yeah. We can make our business that much better. And so I think that was one thing that Charlie brought to the table was this different vision. It was different than his dad's. It was okay. His dad said, come on, let's let's make it happen. And so they made it happen because Charlie had a vision that was different than this small little slice of life that most of us have. Yeah. Well, this was awesome. So we want to thank uh, Charlie Schlegel for joining us again today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.